Welcome to episode 121 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, shooting through glass. This has been brought up a few times and I've actually spoken about this in other podcasts uh, like the ones from uh, Chester Zoo in the UK and my podcast in September 2000 uh, when I shot a few images from a plane on the way back from a trip to India. Uh, but it probably isn't easy to see where these tips are um, you know, in the, the 120 other podcasts that we've published here. So I thought I'd just do a quick sort of review in today's podcast, uh, having shot a nice uh, nightscape through glass recently. Before that though, I'd like to read out a reader's mail. I recently received a mail via my contact form from another Martin, which I'd like to read out for two reasons. The first one is because it's just a really nice mail, and uh, although you know I get many sort of nice mails from you kind folk out there, the the second reason that I wanted to read this one out in particular is because Martin seemed to uh, enter an invalid email address and I haven't been able to reply and say thanks. I do always reply to email and I would hate for Martin to think that I just ignored this, especially with it being such a, a great mail. It, it was really just a pleasure to read. Anyway, here's what he says. Martin, thanks for your fantastic podcasts. I greatly appreciate the time and energy you put into this. I've recently moved to Shanghai for work and one of the best side benefits has been a rejuvenation of my interest in photography. My rekindled interest comes from a result of a desire to capture the strong culture that I find here in China. That's how I find my way here to your MBP podcasts and this site. My Saturday morning routine now consists of a cup of coffee and listening to your most recent podcast before heading out to try to capture the scenes. Your shots are a great inspiration to me because I find them to be a wonderful representation of the world around you without being overly processed with unrealistic colours. All the best to you and thank you again. So, you know, I'm just really pleased it, you know it was an excellent uh, mail to read there and perked me up a lot um, it's really nice thank you very much uh, Martin so I will you know I always find it a, a kick to hear and um, that you know the work I'm doing here on the podcast is being appreciated and helping people out but it, it's also great uh, to hear how people actually listen to the podcast this adds another dimension that is uh, really such a thrill, thrill so thanks very much once again Martin I'd hate to have not been able to reply to you, so I hope you don't mind me reading out the message here. And this has also prompted me um, to put a message on the thank you page after sending me a message uh, via the contact form, that is. And that's just to remind people that, um, and I want this is one of the other things that I wanted to say to all of you as well, um, is that you know you, you should receive a CC, a, a carbon copy, I don't know if anyone ever uses that anymore, of the uh, of the mail that you send via the contact form. And the chances are that if you didn't receive that uh, comp, that CC, then the, there probably was a, something wrong with the mail address that you added. So if you don't get that, um, you know, please try again and double check the mail address that you used, and that will enable me to actually get back to you, which I promise that I, I always will. 
Now let's spend a relatively short time, I'm sorry about that, a relatively short time today to just discuss uh, how to shoot through glass. So as I say, uh, today I'm going to talk uh, a relatively, uh, just a relatively brief amount of time about uh, shooting through glass. Let's start by taking a look at the nightscape that I mentioned that I shot last weekend, which is image number 1679. This was shot from the 39th floor of the Ebisu uh, Garden Place Tower, not far from my apartment here in Tokyo. I was there to just get dinner with my other half and uh, I noticed that the rain that had just stopped was giving a nice sort of hazy effect on the distant buildings in the Shinjuku area and the still low cloud was reflecting the light from the city so I just thought it would make a nice shot and I had my camera with me so I went for it. Um, I had my 85mm f1.2 L lens on the camera and the other lens that I had with me was my 16 to 35 millimeter f2.8 L lens. I shot the wide uh, the wide angle after the meal as well, uh, but um, really didn't found that this one that we're looking at now is my favourite. So I'm going to use that as my example. I'll get into the considerations for shooting through glass in a moment, uh, but something that I wanted to mention before moving on is that I use the live view feature on the One DS to set the uh, exposure of the scene here which is something that I've not really been able to do until now, having never owned a live view camera before. There's a setting on the camera um, to show the results of the exposure settings on the LCD and not corrected automatically to just sort of make the LCD show you the, the scene without any consideration for it. This means that if your exposure settings will, will result in a dark image, the LCD will be dark. And conversely, if it's too light, obviously the LCD will be too light. This is actually quite useful. I ended up uh, just selecting my aperture and shutter, shutter speed. Um, I set the aperture for, you know, for what I thought I needed. But then um, while looking through the, well, looking at the LCD, I just sort of adjusted the shutter speed and went, just went with those settings. You know, I could see that it brightened up as I was changing the shutter speed and it was, it seemed perfect. And that was even after having looked at the histogram. So, I just thought that this um, was a nice touch and you know I, I wasn't sure that I was even going to use live view um, when I first heard about it but I, I'm really finding that there are uses um, not just uh, for for the exposure but also um, this time again I'd actually set the camera down and away from I couldn't look through the viewfinder so I set the whole thing up uh, having focus that is uh, because that obviously the autofocus doesn't work in live view on the Canon cameras um, but uh, you know, just set that up before I placed it down. Actually, what I did, I was just um, setting to the um, infinity mark. Um, you know, just because if you if you focus, you often find it tries to get a little bit before that. But the scenes that I wanted to capture were way off in the distance, so I just set the lens to infinity and left it there. So, by the way, I was shooting um, with ISO two hundred. We're, um, for this shot and an aperture of f uh, 5.6 for 1.3 seconds. For those that are interested, the two uh, arch-shaped lights on the uh, on the building at the in the foreground there are the JR train station 
in Ebisu and the Empire State Building sort of looking like building thing in the distance to the right is the Dokomo Tower that's a, a cell phone carrier here in in uh, Japan if you if you don't know um I shot another image uh, just you know from inside the actual restaurant uh, which uh, has Tokyo Tower that's from the exactly the other the opposite side of the building but I, I don't like that as much as this one so we won't bother looking at that today um, I will put a, a link to that in the show notes, though, if you want to just check that out. Um, anyway, when photographing photographing through glass, there are um, three things, three areas, really. They're all sort of interlinked, but there are three things that I pay attention to. You'll want to try to find some glass with no reflections on it, especially from inside the room uh, or a vehicle uh, that you might be in. I find that when shooting from tall buildings like this... Um, you know, the image that we just looked at, there are often pillars on the inside of the building that uh, cast some shadow and you can get, you know, you sort of get behind those and, you know, you're in luck. You've got some a, a lot of great shade there between you and the glass and there's this room to, if there's room to work, then it's it's just really good. If there are none, you know, no pillars or anything, nothing else that's sort of casting a, sh- a shadow against the window or, sh- you know, putting you in the shade, then... Um, you know, you can, you know, like those uh, those big black cloths that the uh, large format uh, photographers use. You can do something like that with a coat if you've got a uh, a dark inside of your coat. And it really helps if there's someone with you to sort of hold that coat, you know, up against the window over the top of you. And, and you know, that way it sort of it gives you a, a, a lot of sort of coverage and a lot of nice dark space to work in. Actually, to discuss the next important thing to bear in mind, uh, let's take a, a look at another shot, which is image number 1549-1549 from September 2007 that I shot from a plane, um, obviously through the thick glass um, of the little porthole-style windows uh, next to my seat. Here, I think I mentioned in uh, an earlier podcast that you know. Another thing that's very important when shooting through glass is to just get very close to it, as close as possible. Um, if you're on a plane, that might mean that the you know the glass itself is vibrating, so you might not want to rest against it, but really get as close as possible, um, you know, right up to the window there. If you can get right up to the glass, then what you're effectively doing is using the lens hood, um, particularly one that is black and non-reflective inside, as most of them are these days, uh, to really just sort of build that that shade that shadow that I was talking about um you know if you can if you can get close enough you'll find that you can make enough darkness between your lens and the glass that nothing's going to reflect back into the window and you know you you're away really the 70 to 200 f2.8 lens has a nice deep hood that gave me enough coverage to shoot this uh, shot even with a fair amount of light actually hitting the the window itself Finally, and this is the pretty obvious one, um, find a patch of glass that's clean. Uh, you know, you can you can get away with a certain amount of dirt, especially if it's not illuminated by the sun or other light sources. Still, even on a relatively dirty window, you'll want to look for an area of the glass that's cleaner than the rest. Note here that the closer the you know to the other side of the glass your subject is, the more important this gets. As you know, you, if you start closing, uh, focusing closer, of course, you know you're gonna. That's gonna make the the dirt more visible. 
Um, also, the you know how wide your aperture is. If you, you know, even if you're shooting something relatively far away, um, you you know, well, not even if you're shooting something relatively far away, you can get away with a much wider aperture. Um, and if you're shooting something close by, you know, it's still you want to take care that you don't just try to go for for the smallest aperture you can because that's going to give more um, clarity, you know, give more detail in any dirt or anything that's on the window. So if you're going to be focusing much further away, though, as I was in this shot uh, looking out over Japan before I came into land on my way back from India, then you can just get away with uh, a lot more dirt and marks. Something to note with plain windows as well, uh, this is just a just a, a mention of this for fun, really, is that if, you know, they, they often have like a plastic cover on the inside, and this plays tricks with PL filters. If you want to play around with the effect, uh, it can be it can be pretty fun to to do. Um, you know, just give it give it a try next time you you're on a plane or on any vehicle that has uh, plastic uh, inside windows. And what you'll find is that as you rotate the front of the PL filter, um, the plastic and that there's there's that polarizing thing that goes off on there, and you get all sort of rainbow colors and things in the glass. Um, probably wouldn't make for a very nice shot unless you like gaudy photos but um you know I'm, I'm sure it's not a it's not something that we should completely rule out note too that for the nightscape that we looked at earlier um just another another quick tip for you here i didn't use a tripod despite it being a 1.3 second exposure if you can take a tripod and have space to set it up then this will work best but um even if i had taken one um last weekend I would not really have been able to uh, set it up because the the window had a large shelf, like a platform in front of it. Um, I could have gone on top of that, but I probably would have annoyed somebody by doing so. So um, anyway, I didn't take it. What I did was um, I knelt down on the floor in front of the platform and set my camera down directly on top of the platform, the shelf there. And that, however, meant that the camera was facing downwards too much as the what the one DS has a large battery compartment at the bottom there, uh, much like using one of my other bodies with the battery grip on it. Um, what I did was I took my blower, the the one the blower that you use for blowing off the blowing the dust off the front of the lens. I uh, I took that from my camera bag and put it under the lens to support it. Um, as you know, these blowers are soft rubber. And they're they're not very stable, you know, and the one I have is round, so it rolls sort of backwards and forwards and sideways and all over the place. So you have to get the balance right. It takes a little bit of messing around. Um, but, you know, basically, uh, the other problem that comes from that is because they are so soft and sort of bouncy, if you try to press the shutter and just sort of release, you know, release your finger, then it's bouncing all over the place. It's, so you're not going to get a stable shot. And I... I even found that uh, using mirror lockup with a two-second timer um, still wasn't enough because the bounce hadn't stopped before the uh, the camera settled down on top of the blower. So what I ended up doing was um, using a 10-second timer. And I could have probably reduced this to five or so as, as the 1DS has the ability to do that, but you know, I wasn't too bothered. You know, an extra five seconds here or there uh, just for the, the few shots that I took was um, was going to be fine. Um, so basically, yeah, just a nice long, the takeaway here is, you know, you can make shift things, you know, build up a, um, a shot, how you want it, you know, compose it how you want, 
Um, as I said, I was using Live View, but if if I had to get really, I could have perhaps sort of looked in sideways from where the camera was laid down on there. Um, but uh, you know, just sort of compose your shot, and then um, you know, just lift, get that extra height under the uh, lens with something just makeshift like the blower, or you might have a memory case or something like that. And really, just sort of try and if it is something that's a little bit squidgy like the blower, then make sure you have a, a longer um, shutter, you know, the lag between the um, actually pressing the shutter and touching the camera and the actual shot being taken. I should also mention briefly before we finish that I've never shot through glass with a flash. I imagine that if you got right up to the glass as well, then it might work, or better still, get it off camera and light the, sub the subject from you know somewhere over to the right or left, or maybe even use multiple flashes. Um, obviously that wouldn't have helped in the night scene because it's not going to reach anywhere, but you know it, it has been discussed in the forum um, at uh, you know over at MBP there, and uh, you know I think that it's maybe possible. Um, the the possibility was actually even uh, discussed about putting the flash on the other side of the glass outside, um, which is probably something that you can do if you're not on the 39th floor. I try to steer clear of uh, saying things, you know, talking about things that I don't have first hand with though, so I won't go into this today. Well, that's it for today. Uh, like I say, a quick one. Sorry about that if you were hoping for a, a slightly longer podcast. Um, before we finish, just a quick word from our current sponsors, DxO Labs. DxO Optics Pro sets the standard for automatic correction of your digital images. Based on extensive analysis of cameras and lenses, this award-winning software enables photographers to improve hundreds of images very quickly, saving time and providing spectacular results. Version 5 of DxO Optics Pro runs on Mac and Windows. Version 5, which has only just been released, incorporates a new generation RAW converter providing more details and less noise artifacts for a new level of image quality. Remember too that our current assignment with the theme of long exposures is uh, close to an end. It finishes on Sunday the 20th of January, this coming Sunday, and you'll be able to upload your images until the end of your Sunday, no matter where you are uh, in the world. Uh, voting will then start from the Monday the 21st for two weeks and we'll then find out who the winner of the assignment is and also who the winner of the accumulated votes prize for the last five assignments um, including this one and that winner will receive a copy of DxO Optics Pro and the film pack from DxO Labs of course the long exposures uh, assignment the single assignment winner will also get a fine art print of the uh, the image of their choice on the paper and the size of their choice from my online gallery at martinbaileyphotography.com So that really is it for today. So all that remains to be said is thanks for listening and you have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. Photocastnetwork.com Your photography resource in the potosphere photocastnetwork.com